0: Would Taiwanese defend their country in the event of a Chinese invasion? The answer is a resounding yes, according to Jimmy Chen, a Taiwanese-American U.S. Navy captain. In an interview on Saturday, he shared his findings from interviewing a hundred Taiwanese people at public venues. Chen said in the event of an invasion of Taiwan, roughly 70 percent of Taiwanese would be willing to take up arms. Roughly 20% would try to flee, while 10% would surrender.
1: Fighting for Taiwan is what Taiwanese are all supposed to do in the first place. I don't want to fight. Why should we go to war over something like this? It's 2023 already. Whether we are talking about the Taiwanese people's will to defend themselves, the strengthening of training, the U.S. government's stance on the issue, or the amendment of legislation, all of these things could make deterrence capabilities more effective and better guarantee peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait.
0: Chen said those showing a lack of willingness to fight are worried about the effectiveness of training or are concerned about the U.S.'s resolve to militarily intervene in a conflict. He suggested that the U.S. amend the Taiwan Relations Act to formalize that support, while Taiwan could implement more effective military reforms. Those reforms should seek to make training more practical instead of the scripted training the military now uses, he said. DPP presidential candidate vice president Lai ching went on the campaign trail that covered Taoyuan, Xinju, and Miaoli Sunday, where he hoped to secure support from the Hakka community. Lai took the opportunity to solicit votes for pan-green legislative candidates in those constituencies. He also took a jab at his election rival Ke wen of the Taiwan People's Party. Who he said is out of touch with the needs and concerns of farmers.
1: DPP presidential candidate Lai ching on Sunday attended the opening of his campaign office in Miaoli. Up on stage, Lai joined hands with DPP legislative candidate Kong Shu ming and independent legislative candidate Tseng wen The three candidates raised their hands and shouted campaign slogans.
2: 过去七年多来,政府推动.
0: Over the past seven years, the government has been implementing three types of insurance and a retirement fund for farmers. Taiwan People's Party Chairman Ke Wenzhe has confused the personal insurance benefit for farmers with farming insurance. He's even gone so far as to say that helping farmers is equivalent to throwing money around. Ke isn't concerned about farmers, and he doesn't understand the agricultural industry. He especially doesn't understand national affairs.
1: Lai went on the offensive, criticizing his rival for not understanding the agricultural industry. At the same time, Lai cited the DPP's achievements as the ruling party, hoping to gain stronger support from local voters.
0: We need to say no to candidates who overlook the needs of the people and who have no specific vision. I implore you all to choose the candidate who has experience and who will steadily lead the country forward. Regardless of whether the TPP or KMT collaborate in the elections, I am still your best choice.
1: More than 3,000 supporters attended Lai's campaign event in Miaoli on Sunday. Lai was also joined by Vice Premier Zheng Wenshan and former Vice Premier Ye Lan, whose presence was aimed at securing support from the Hakka community.
0: Whatever the KMT failed to do in the past, we will do. Whatever it failed to take care of, we will take care of. What it didn't build, we will build. Everyone, please vote for Lai Qingde. The executive yuan will give Miao Li the greatest support. As
1: his campaign marches forward, Lai has set his sights on Hakka voters and farmers. He hopes that the DPP's policies aimed at the agricultural industry will convince voters his party would have their best interests in mind.
0: According to the National Police Agency, as much as 6-point-9 billion NT was swindled by fraud rings last year. To prevent fraud, the Legislative Yuan amended the Money Laundering Control Act in May last year to clearly state that a person's bank accounts cannot be provided to others for use. To solve the problem of a prevalence of fraudulent dummy accounts, the Ministry of Justice recently announced that it would amend the measures to limit the daily withdrawals and transfers of dummy account providers to no more than
3: 10,000
1: NT. In the future, dummy account holders will be restricted in how they can open and use an account, as well as their daily withdrawal and transfer amounts. Currently, this draft has completed the pre-announcement phase and will be promulgated by the Ministry of Justice with other relevant agencies after it is approved by the Executive Yuan."
0: The main point of the draft is that when necessary, the police can provide the personal information of the holder of the fraudulent account to financial institutions nationwide, which can turn down the person's application for a new account. Other than allowing the payment of the water, electricity and gas bills, taxes and fines,... a financial institution can limit the use of a debit card for each account to transfer or withdraw funds at ATMs with a daily limit of 10-thousand NT. This includes using the debit card for cash spending. Moreover, the restricted individual would be prohibited from using online banking or connecting to electronic payment platforms. When handling transactions at the counter, banks and post offices must also strengthen identity verifications to make sure that the transaction is not a fraud. Have you ever wondered what causes those gigantic sea waves known as tsunamis? Today, we meet Philip Liu, one of Taiwan's renowned tsunami experts. Liu is known for his frontline research in the field of water wave theory. He also was instrumental in setting up a pioneering tsunami warning system that's been used in the U.S. Our very own Stephanie Yang takes us to meet Liu, who has ridden a big career wave of his own.
4: Philip Liu is an academic at Academia Sinica. He has also served as an associate dean of the College of Engineering at Cornell University. He's currently a distinguished professor in the Department of Civil and Environmental Engineering at the National University of Singapore and also the university's vice president for research and technology. His most recent research has focused on nonlinear waves.
3: In most recent years at uh, Singapore, uh, we have focused on studying nonlinear wave and for the deep water and also shallow water. Um, what we have discovered was that some of the theory which has been used for more than 40 or 50 years um, contains some uh, mistakes and uh, so we have correct these mistakes. I think the new results will have a very long term. Uh, impacts in the engineering application, in ocean engineering especially."
4: After graduating with a Bachelor of Science degree focusing on civil engineering at National Taiwan University in 1968, Liu studied at Massachusetts Institute of Technology. He received a Master of Science degree in civil engineering in 1971 and a doctorate in science in 1974. Liu is a frontline researcher in the fields of tsunami dynamics, water wave theory, wake-breaking process, sediment transport, and the interaction of waves with structures. He pioneered the development of a unified mathematical model for wave behavior along with a tsunami monitoring and warning system.
3: The tsunami model we developed over years. Uh, can be used to simulate the tsunami wave propagation from the ocean, uh, throughout the ocean, and all the way to the coastal regions, so that you can estimate the inundations, uh, flooding area by the the tsunami. And also, this type of model can be used in the tsunami forecasting um, uh, process, and to estimate when the tsunami is going to arrive at certain locations, when the tsunami occurs, the model has been actually used by the uh, uh, forecasting system used in the United States uh, for for the routine sort of estimation how when uh, how much how large the tsunami will actually arrive in, in certain areas.
4: In the wake of Japan's Fukushima Daiichi nuclear disaster, his team visited Japan to conduct field research. The research was not only instrumental for Japan, but also significant for Taiwan in evaluating safety conditions.
3: Uh, we went to the survey, to do the survey after the tsunami, a week after the tsunami, to look at the inundation areas caused by the tsunami and also try to understand the situation with a nuclear power plant and uh, that is important information um, for, for us for taiwan actually to say to evaluate the safety uh, safety conditions in the nuclear plane in taiwan
4: over the course of his career he has received many academic awards he has trained nearly 30 phd graduates who are now prominent professors and researchers
3: well one of my students uh, Dr. Ren Wu actually is the one who has been using similar kind of a model we developed and helping uh, Taiwanese governments to uh, assess, assess the tsunami hazards. And also, I believe he has used a similar model uh, to look at the uh, uh, safety issues in terms of uh, uh, nuclear power plants on, on, the, on the different locations in Taiwan.
4: Liu says tsunamis are not only generated by earthquakes, but also by landslides. He hopes to conduct further research on landslide-generated tsunamis in the future.
3: The tsunami can be generated by earthquake and also by um, landslide and also even volcano eruptions. I think most of the work have been focused on the earthquake-generated tsunami, um, but the, the modeling Capability for estimating the tsunami generated by landslides still not very, very uh, strong or very well well done. I think in the future, in the next year, na- next few years, uh, probably the focus will be on really trying to model uh, the uh, earth, uh, landslide-generated tsunamis, yeah. because in you know in reality that many area many locations in around the world the landslide still can generate quite a bit of tsunamis
4: during a talk at national taiwan university liu encouraged researchers to never stop observing asking questions pursuing the truth and maintaining their enthusiasm for exploring the unknown ftv reporter stephanie yang and tangerine Hao in taipei
0: The Taiwan Brain Bank was officially launched on Sunday. Premier Chen Jinren and Health Minister Xue yuan were on hand for the unveiling of the plaque. NTU Medical School professor Xie Song-cang says the Brain Bank will collect brain and tissue samples from deceased donors for the purpose of developing drugs and raising the understanding of brain disorders.
1: With a quick tug on the red ribbons, Premier Chen Jianren, Health Minister Xue yuan and Vice President of NTU Zhang chun unveiled the Taiwan Brain Bank, which is located in the NTU
2: hospital.
0: I hope the Taiwan Brain Bank will become a very important academic institution for brain research in Asia and connect to the international community so that we will have a better understanding of brain diseases unique to Asians or East Asia. The Brain Bank will have two functions, with the first being to maintain its daily operations, which is something that the Ministry of Health and Welfare will provide support for. The second function is brain research. For this part, the government must rely on science and technology projects to support it, and that means our entire academic community has to come up with meaningful research projects and propose them. Taiwanese people have special
1: genotype manifestations of many diseases, such as amyloid neuropathy, Wilson's disease, and cerebral small vessel diseases. However, up until now, Taiwan has never had a brain bank. Most of the research to date has relied on imported samples of brain tissue. However, due to the genetic differences between Asians and people in other parts of the world, the research has not been able to meet the needs of Taiwanese
0: patients. An example is cerebellar degenerative diseases, such as Lou Gehrig's disease, because these are diseases for which there are no medical cures. So the biggest objective of the brain bank is to use human brain tissues to develop new drugs. That is our greatest hope, as we work on the brains donated by our patients, who did so out of their great love.
1: Now that Taiwan's first brain bank has been established, Authorities are hoping to develop new drugs through research and give patients new hope.
0: The Galardia Island Ponghu Cross Sea Marathon was held Sunday morning in the outlying archipelago. More than 3-thousand runners, including 49 foreign athletes from 12 countries, participated in the island hopping run. A major feature of the marathon was the water stations. More than offering water,... The pit stops handed out seafood to the runners, including local favorites like cuttlefish balls and cactus juice, as well as the most anticipated crabs and lobsters. Along the course of the race, participants got to enjoy the beautiful scenery of Ponghu, and there was even a bazaar with 30 food and souvenir stalls. With the hearty cheers of locals along the course,... The marathon runners could truly feel the warm hospitality of Penghu. Today we meet wake surfer Karen Wong. Wake surfing is a water sport in which a surfer rides a boat's wake on a specially designed board without being directly pulled by the boat. Wong has won numerous titles, and aside from competing, she is also a coach. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang spoke to Wong to find out why she is making such a splash.
4: She rides a wave effortlessly. This is Karen Wang, a Taiwanese wake surfer. She has won numerous accolades during her career. She's a 10-time Chinese national wake surf champion and 2023 amateur female surf world champion.
5: She's currently ranked number one in the semi-professional division. I started competing um, for CWSA, which is a competitive wake surf association that um, basically allows wake surfers all over the world to be ranked as individual riders. Well, the goal really is to turn pro, so I think if you have an overall ranking in the top three of that category, then you're able to become pro. So that's really, you know, my own personal goal. Before becoming a
4: wake surfer, Wang spent 10 years working as an architect in New York and Paris. She fostered an interest in wake surfing in Taipei in 2018 and began competing competitively during the pandemic in 2020.
5: I wasn't always an athlete. I actually transitioned from an architect to um, this career in wake surfing during the pandemic. Um, how did it happen? Basically, I've always been involved in wake surfing because it's what I love to do and I got started in Taipei, where I'm from, and I started wake surfing in 2018. Uh, My job as an architect usually is very sedentary, very indoors, and whenever I had any free time I would just try to go outdoors and try to do something active and wake surfing was just one of those things that allowed me to kind of balance a life inside an office.
4: Other than competing, she has also worked as a consultant to the largest wake surfing school in the world in China. She's now based in Kuala Lumpur, but often travels around the world to train and compete. When she is not training for competitions, she holds training camps where she coaches using both Mandarin Chinese and English. She hopes to combine her passion for wake surfing and design. She's currently writing a textbook
5: and designs boards for wake surfers. I'm also uh, working on a systematic coaching textbook to help riders um, to learn the sport with more efficiency and also kind of to um, streamline everything that I've learned in the past two years in this industry. If you like surfing, um, you have to get to the beach, you have to wait around for the waves and that usually takes a long time. But wake surfing, you can kind of see it as a very efficient city sport because um, the wake that we surf, which is the artificial wave created by the boat that we surf behind, uh, it kind of basically gives you a perfect wave. So if you go for an hour and you don't fall, you basically are surfing for an hour consistently. And it's quite a workout. So it was a nice thing to do to balance like a very, very um, indoor lifestyle. Wang says the wake surf scene in Taiwan is still in its infancy. She
4: hopes to let more people know and love the sport. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Tan Hao in Taipei.
0: A tiny school at the southernmost tip of Taiwan is offering pioneering ocean classes. Luan Elementary School at the southern tip of Pingdong County has just 46 students, 20 of whom live more than 10 kilometers away from the campus. So, why do their parents bring them in so far? Well, these children get a weekly class in the ocean, learning surfing, free diving, and sailing as well as getting to know the flora and fauna of the ocean. It's an immersion in nature that they can take with them through the rest of their lives.
2: Children bob in the water and a sea turtle swims past just centimeters away. This isn't your average day at the beach. It's an ocean class organized by Elwan branch of Kending Elementary School. The seashore becomes a classroom and these kids are learning in the sea.
4: I like the ocean and the creatures here. There's lots of outdoor classes here.
2: The school organizes one class a week, where kids from grades 1 through 6 can get to know the shoreline through beginners' free diving, stand-up paddleboarding, surfing and sailing. Almost all the popular waterside activities of Kending are represented. That draws a lot of parents to enroll the kids in the school, even from long distances outside its local area.
5: Luluan branch of Kending Elementary is actually the southernmost school in Taiwan. Parents come here from
4: very far away. They make two trips a day to pick up and drop off their child, taking almost 90
5: minutes out of their day.
2: In the ocean, children can rediscover themselves as water dragons, exploring the natural world and learning about marine ecology. The school hopes these ocean experiences can be expanded to other regions, so children across Taiwan can learn direct from the sea.